Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 52 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. My name is Dean Millard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on what time you are listening to this. I'm just glad you have. Thank you very much for downloading it. Really appreciate it. We got a really good, fun, informative and entertaining show lined up for you. And remember, our motto on this show is it's not just about getting high. It's about getting high healthy. We're going to talk about that in a couple of our segments as we roll along. But before we do anything, got to find out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Can you dig it? Kind of grabs you by the boo-boo, don't it? Quite a great, long This is great. This is the bee's knees. When I say what's your groove, I want to know that while you're listening to this podcast, and and if you uh, don't mind, uh, hit me up on Twitter at the cannabis 101 and tell me where you're listening from really love to know where my audience is uh, tuning in but if you're if you're grooving with anything during the show i want to know are you smoking a joint you got the bong pipe uh, you know whatever it might be uh, that you might be going with i would uh, i would love to know pipe and a grape bong and a blintz maybe you got some cbd going maybe you got some edibles Maybe you have, like I do, a drink. Uh, I'm going with uh, the Tweed, uh, Baker Street, and Ginger. Grabbed it, uh, and I also grabbed some houseplant uh, grapefruit that I'll tell you about in a second. When I was in the city last time, I uh, went by and uh, saw uh, my friend Nicole at Spirit Leaf Argyle, and uh, I loved the grapefruit. It was tasty. It gave me a nice uh tingly good body fat fast body high so uh, i was all on board for that i would definitely do that again uh the ginger i will just say it's a little too sweet uh on its own so i just cut it with soda water and uh hopefully i get the uh, good effects from this as i do as i did from the uh, house plants so uh, i'm gonna have a a few sips of this and we'll see how it goes yeah it was a little for me, it's a little sweet, but you know, I've talked to others that love that taste. And if you're a ginger ale fan or, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll absolutely love it. So that's what I'm grooving with. Uh, here's what's coming down the hash pipe today on this episode. We have no main guest. We had to actually reschedule our main guest, which is no big deal. It leaves us more time for our regulars. And that would be David Wiley from the OZ. You can catch this week on Cannabis News coming up. We'll talk about rich CEOs and laid off employees. And this just, um, man, it, 
it gets me so angry this story um i don't know it just when i hear about ceos getting you know millions in bonuses it just pisses me off so much am i hot yeah i'm hot that's a crock of crap well, I'm, I'm glad greta is upset uh, as well i mean it's just a I don't know. It's a joke. It, it's a it's a disgusting joke. Uh, what uh, happens for rich CEOs and and not not even rich CEOs where the stock is uh, skyrocketing. Anyway, we're also going to chat about uh, THC, CBD, and weight issues uh, with cannabis. Chris Zionson is our educator. He is, of course, the manager of nova on jasper ave nova cannabis on jasper avenue in edmonton in the city he joins us for what's that strain we're doing wapa from fireside uh delicious pre-roll that i can't wait to enjoy later on a camping trip malka labelle she'll join me as well she's from the green generation co and she has the latest bud biz buzz on the business of cannabis and we're going to be chatting about keeping the cannabis industry in canada uh, the opposite of offshore uh, today and uh, some change makers uh, when it comes to hemp uh, so we'll have all that coming up for you as well as our cannabis question the promo code uh, so you can get 50 percent off a dna kit from lobo genetics and we'll tell you how you can subscribe to the weed weekly and get in on our monthly giveaway but let's get thing going with the cannabis question It's prize time. Chime in on the cannabis question. Okay. And you could win a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack. Pipe and a grape, bong and a blintz. Hit us up on any of our social media feeds or email us at Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Okay, here we go. Cannabis question today, where do you like to use cannabis outdoors? That's where it's meant to be consumed. Um, you know, if you can use your cannabis outdoors, you should, uh, as long as you're not bothering other people and, you know, you're on your own property or you have the owner's permission, then you, you know, you don't really have uh, anything to, to worry about. Uh, but uh, if you can enjoy it outside, it should be enjoyed outside so for me my favorite place is uh, around a around a fire uh, whether it's camping or somebody's backyard uh, sitting around a fire is my favorite place to enjoy cannabis uh, i'm loaded up with pre-rolls i'm going camping tomorrow uh, and uh, loaded up with some pre-rolls and some chocolates from uh, my good neighborhood plant life store at jensen lakes here in saint albert and I'm actually thinking of doing some uh, THC s'mores. I've got some uh, Aurora Drift, uh, sea salt and caramel. I got some Edison Bites. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm really looking forward to doing some THC s'mores. But more than anything, uh, just, you know, having a, a nice tight pre-roll. Got some uh, pre-98 Bubba Kush from Quest. 
that is going to be delicious. And and I grabbed a lot of stuff because uh, I want to have stuff. You know, I was the, the designated picker up of cannabis for the camping trip. And uh, so, we, you know, we have to be socially and physically responsible while we're out camping uh, with friends and things like that. We have to uh, physically distance. We can't be sharing joints. We can't be sharing bongs. We can't be sharing things like that. So I made sure that I got enough uh, that I was able to satisfy the whole group. So that's the cannabis question. Where do you like to use cannabis outdoors? And that leads us into what pairs well with cannabis. And that is anything that goes well with cannabis. And for me, it's camping. There's going to be a bit of a theme here on today's show as I'm pretty excited. But uh, really, uh, whether you're uh, in in a hammock, or sitting by the fire, or going for a nice nature walk, or a uh, like a hike or a bike ride, um, or you want a hot box in a tent. Well, so be it. I guess if uh, the other person that's sleeping in that tent uh, enjoys cannabis as much as you, uh, that would not go over well for my wife, uh, who is uh, you know getting into cannabis a little bit, but does not enjoy smoke or the smell. So that would not go over well. But you know, if, take an extra tent if you really want a hot box in the tent. Uh, but camping for me is uh, synonymous with cannabis and has been uh, for many, many years. So I'd love to hear from you at the Cannabis 101 on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Or you can email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. You can still participate in this show and win prizes and email us. Uh, in fact, the winner of our. Uh, pair of regal cigars from last week is anonymous uh, a gentleman uh, or lady emailed me and said listen uh, i you know i'd love to uh um shout the rooftops about my cannabis but uh, my employers aren't as open-minded so i'd like to uh remain anonymous and you know they gave what their answers were to the question and boom there you go so you can join in on the conversation anonymously email me cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com and get the latest on what's happening with c101 by subscribing to the weed weekly you can do that at cannabis 101 podcast.ca if you sign up you're in the mix for our monthly prize pack but only for subscribers plus it's an easy way to keep up with hopefully your favorite cannabis podcast Okay, on the other side of the weed song from the artist My Dad Dog, we'll get into this week in cannabis news with David Wiley. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. 
My good friend David Wiley from the OZ joining me for this week in cannabis news. You can find all the cannabis news you need at okanaganz.com slash OZ. Follow them on Twitter at okanaganz and at Wiley Ryder. David, is the sun shining in uh, God's country today? Oh, it's shining bright and it's casting light. And it's nice to see because we've had too many days of rain over here. How about you? Uh, yeah, it is sunny today. Um, we had uh, we had quite a storm over the weekend. Nothing like what Calgary got with the hail uh, that was just Ooh. monstrous. Uh, but we have that was uh, had, unbelievable. Uh, it was scary. We have had uh, our share of rain, and I'm hoping. Uh, that for the next uh, few days anyway, there's no rain where I'm going because I'm heading off to to camp uh, to be in nature and enjoy my cannabis uh, around a campfire. So I am excited about that. Sounds like a great way to spend some time. Uh, it will, and, and it will allow me to ease the anger that I feel when I read stories like the first one we are going to discuss. And, um, you know, this unfortunately happens in all industries, and now it's happening in the cannabis industry where massive layoffs have happened, but yet CEOs are making a lot of money and bonuses. It really has become a staple that we've watched in so many industries. And yeah, here we are in the cannabis industry and we've got Canopy Growth Corporation just recently shocking people with massive losses uh, in its last quarter. But uh, its CEO isn't suffering at all. In fact, he's actually prospering through uh, this big downturn. Marijuana Business Daily reported at first that Canopy CEO David Klein's salary is actually double that of his predecessor. And that's even as the company's laid off hundreds of workers. Canopy Growth uh, cutting around 500 jobs earlier this year. They suddenly closed their BC Tweed facilities at Delta and Alder Grove. Um, They've been working on a major restructuring to try and uh, bring a little bit of positivity back into their business. Well, recent filings with the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission show an employment offer was made to Klein late last year with a base salary of $975,000. That's U.S., by the way. So if you're counting in Canadian dollars, you're looking at about $1.3 million. Uh, Mark Zekelin, who had taken on the role of interim CEO after Bruce Linton was given the boot, had actually earned half of that. Now, if you think that that is a lot of money, just wait until you hear the list of other perks that he's eligible to receive. That includes millions in stock options, an annual performance bonus that's equal to 125% of his base salary, an annual long-term award of 300% of his base salary. And on top of that, he can earn cash. He can cash in on an annual $125,000 allowance. And Canopy is contributing $40,000 a year to his retirement plan. So how does that sound? Have you ever had that kind of a job, Dean? Oh my God. I mean, listening to that just boils the anger um, in me even more. I mean, the amount of people that, you know, decided to give the cannabis industry a try as a career change and then get laid off and then this happens. I mean, come on. Like just the the amount of money he's going to make off the stock options alone. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, Klein, uh, previous to this, served in a number of 
senior leadership positions over the past 14 years at Constellation Brands. Uh, they're the big company that has nearly 40% ownership in Canopy, and they've been exerting an increasing amount of control over that company. They do have the option to take a, an over 50% stake in it over time. Um, so Klein, who transitioned as Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at Constellation, that was his last role, he's described as an experienced strategist with a deep understanding of how to build enduring consumer brands while leveraging operational scale across a diverse, dispersed production footprint. Unfortunately, his description there doesn't include keeping people employed. Yeah, that is a disgrace. And you know what? Um, I don't know. I just, I'm just angry. And, and I, you know, I, I, I hope something would, would change and that wouldn't come to the cannabis industry. But uh, as I mentioned, it happens uh, so much, unfortunately, while these people are suffering, somebody, one person is getting rich. And, and you know, it's not even like, well, obviously they're they're having problems because they're laying off people. But I was going to say, like, you know, even though even though they're doing badly, he's getting these bonuses. It's not like there is like such a soar in sales or or growth in the stock. It's 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 just mind boggling how somebody can walk away in that or not walk away, but be in that situation when the previous guy walked away making far less than that and having done a bulk of the work. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a disgrace in any industry when you leave the, the employees who are toiling away every day, um, you yeah, out and alert like that. Yeah. A hundred percent. All right. Uh, let's move on to, uh, another, uh, company, uh, that, uh, talking about, uh, uh, not a, a CEO, but a co-founder and president who is moving on and retiring. Mm-hmm. Aurora cannabis here hitting the corporate refresh button. Um, they just announced uh, the impending retirement of uh, their co-founder and president, Steve Dobler. So he's going to be retiring from his roles, effective on June 30th. Uh, he's been the Alberta-based producer's president and a member of the board of directors for a while now, since December 2014. And the, the company is saying that his keen business insight and unparalleled passion uh, for the company is going to be missed. Uh, Aurora is does both medical and recreational cannabis. And uh, Stephen is the first executive founder to go. This is in the wake of actually uh, the co-founder and CEO, Terry Booth, who announced his retirement in February. And uh, Aurora's been taking some hits along with the rest of the industry in this this time, well, most of it anyway. And uh, they announced back in February, too, that they were taking $1 billion write downs and would lay off 500 employees uh, as part of its shakeup. So there's uh, there's some pain all across the industry. And Aurora is pretty well known here. They've got their flagship brands, of course, Aurora and Aurora Drift, um, where you've seen probably chocolates and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but the company also owns some some pretty uh, pretty important brands that have been making a lot of headway in the industry is San Rafael 71. Uh, they do a very popular Tangerine Dream and Pink Kush. Daily Special, which is one of the value brands, gaining a lot of traction. Um, Med Relief, Canamed, Alta V, Whistler, and uh, Roar Sports. So that'll be interesting to see how Aurora changes things up over the next little while um, with those two founders out the door. 
I actually have some Aurora Drift sea salt and uh, caramel milk chocolate for the camping trip I'm going on. Might do a little bit of a an Aurora s'more, Aurora Drift s'more uh, uh, <laughs> uh, meal around the fire. But you know what's interesting, David, is a lot of these early uh, pioneers, if you want to say CEOs in the in the early run of uh, the, the cannabis legalization are are not surviving it's you know like it's they're they're kind of dropping off one by one and and mm-hmm. hopefully some of them resurface because i think a lot of them uh got caught up in the um the early projections of and and, and going too big too fast i mean the amount of things that you just talked about and and different companies having to scale back because they went way too big too early has unfortunately, you know, caught a few guys uh, in the, and, and they have to own some of it because they were uh, aboard and leading the ship. But I, I think maybe the, the whole industry got caught up in too big, too fast. And I hope some of these people resurface. I, I hope so too. One of the things that we're seeing um, some of the, the companies doing, especially those with CEOs that perhaps don't have the experience managing through this kind of massive growth um, they're looking at a lot of independent outside advice and uh, bringing directors onto their boards as they increase the size who have grown companies in other industries. I think of Valance, for example, that just brought in uh, one of the, the higher-ups in the grocery chain, Sobeys, to uh, independently advise them. And I think that's a smart move to bring in that kind of uh, independent outside experience that can can help uh, give you that advice that you might not be getting from people who uh, haven't quite been there before. All right, uh, let's move to a story in the growth op. And it is asking the question, um, basically, are the levels listed on the packaging the same as the levels in the cannabis inside when it comes to CBD and THC levels? Um, What did you find in this story? It's something that a lot of people have been wondering, especially those who have been receiving, say, cannabis that's at that uh, high level, 25, 26%, and it just doesn't seem like it's hitting that way. So legalization has given consumers some pretty big benefits, uh, more choice, better information, uh, and reassurances that they have a measure of consumer protection. Um, And we're starting to wonder if the protections that we have are enough. So we're spending a lot of hard-earned money on this. We're wondering just uh, how much we're, good information we're getting. Now, Canadian cannabis products overall are really highly regulated. Uh, LPs are required to test and report their THC and C- CBD percentages or amounts, uh, whether it's on their flour, on their vapes, on their edibles, on their oils, and their beverages. Basically, every product that they release has to be tested and needs to have that information on it. Um, Just like any other product, too, there have been recalls. So in April, we saw uh, some of the lots of San Rafael 71, uh, San Rafael 71's Island Sweet Skunk Dried Cannabis, um, because the amount of THC indicated on the label was lower than the THC in the product. We've seen recalls of similar nature to drinks, gel caps, pre-rolls. And, you know, if you wonder why this is important, Several retailers have told me that customers are really seeking out the highest percentage products at the cheapest price. So what that does is it leads to a trend that's being dubbed lab shopping. Producers will actually seek out services from labs known to label with the highest THC percentage. That might mean that they send the same product out to four or five different labs and then put the percentage out 
uh, that's the the highest, according to the lab that gives it the highest score. So this is raising concerns among consumers that maybe we're not getting the best information. Um, Health Canada regulations do allow for 10% variance on the potency levels of dried flour. Now, it's even more pronounced when it comes to edibles, and they're able to give up to a 25% variance. So, you know, the, the, the bright star of this is that the jury's still out on how much, uh, anecdotally at least, THC percentages can be used to gauge the effect that cannabis is going to give you. Um, different strains, you know, also have different dominant terpenes, and those are basically, um, you they become evident in the smell and the taste, um, but they also do have a potential to affect the high. So it's, uh, it's interesting to see how this is all going to shake out, and, you know, there is a lot of research being done and a lot more information that's becoming available. And I look forward to seeing how all this shakes out and what THC and CBD percentages uh, or amounts might look like in the future. Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, the, um, the the entourage effect, which includes terpenes, uh, uh, is something that uh, has an impact on cannabis. And there's a, there's a lot of times where uh, I'll have something that's 15% and it punches way above its weight because of a certain entourage effect and how the combination of terpenes and, and there's everything. And Chris Ionson, our uh, educator on What's That Strain, gives a really good uh, uh, definition and explanation of terpenes later on in the show so people can stay tuned for that. But I, I love for we get to the day where people aren't buying it based on THC and maybe buying it more on you know what this terpene does or this uh, effect does and things like that, but we're, we're not there yet. And, in, and, and even when we do get there, you need to have accurate labels because there are people that, uh, maybe are new to cannabis that don't want to get that high THC. And if they, they're thinking it's 11 and it's actually 17, well, you could have a problem, especially if that's a, a strong, a, 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 a heavy sativa or something like that. So mm-hmm. accuracy is, is important for so many things, but especially for, for a product like this, where, you know, everybody does, um, uh, react differently to cannabis, but you know, you, you shouldn't uh, be thinking you're taking something when it's something else, because that's when problems arise. And those people won't come back if it's their first or second or, or they're new to cannabis, in my opinion. Yeah, indeed. Well said. All right. So from that, let's go on to uh, uh, another issue when it comes to numbers. <laughs> and that is um, the, I guess the, would you call it a shortage? Um, when you buy your cannabis, you think it's three and a half grams, you take it home and you weigh it and it's something else. And, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people, including yourself have done. I've tried it uh, on occasion. I don't do it all the time, but I have tried it on occasion when I think, wow, that doesn't look right. And and sometimes it's just the, the way the bud is, but what, what what's your experience with this? There really is becoming trust issues uh, when it comes to both those percentages and, very importantly, weight. Uh, I've weighed just about every single order that I've received from the BC Cannabis Store or retailers here. Um, and I've had an experience where about 85 to 90% of what I've ordered has come in, you know, just a little bit underweight. It's very, very rare for it to hit that, uh, you know, the 3.5 or the 7 gram or the 15. Uh, I'm always feeling like I'm getting shipped and losing out. And I'm not alone in that. There was a post recently on Reddit in uh, the, the OCS subreddit, basically dedicated to the Ontario Cannabis Store. And that's asking a question that a lot of people seem to be asking themselves. And that's, why are low weight variances permitted? 
And why are they being tolerated by us? Now, this person says that they paid for about 21 grams of dried and some premium flour. And the first 3.5 gram container that they got weighed about 3.23 grams. The second one was 3.31 grams. And that, to, to, to this person, that 0.5 gram uh, discrepancy equates to about six bucks so far. And he hasn't even opened those other containers yet. And that's something that I found and I, that I've been losing, you know, lots of money. It does add up over time. Um, so the question that was being posed is, would this be tolerated uh, when we compare it to the, the, the same industry that, that cannabis seems to be compared to all the time when it comes to these things? If you went to the beer store and you bought yourself a two-four, would you tolerate getting 22 beers in that case instead of 24? And the answer is no, absolutely not. No, you, uh, yeah, you, you would return you, that you so would. fast. Yeah, you would. Exactly. 100% you would do that. That's something you can't do with cannabis, I don't think, unless, no, I don't, I don't think you can. Can you, re, I, I've, I've seen a lot of signs. Uh, that say you can, they're not doing returns. Maybe that's just during COVID, but uh, uh, you would 100% take that bottle or that case back to whatever place you bought it. Absolutely, you would. I, you know, on the same bent, if you if you ordered a 1.14 liter bottle of Crown and you only got you know just under a liter, is that okay? Yeah. Of course, it's no, not. No. Uh, I mean, there is a 10% allowance here when it comes to weight, and you know, is is that okay? Is that not okay? What's the solution here? Um, you know, at least the Ontario Cannabis Store is taking steps in the right direction. And they've been working with LPs to try and bring that 10% allowance down to 6%. Um, it, I really don't think it's a coincidence that people are noting consistently and over a lengthy period of time now that they're being shorted a lot more than they're getting that little bit more in the jar. So it would be one thing if uh, every one order would be 3.4 and the next one would be 3.6, but I've gotten a 3.6 and an 8 one time. And the worst experience that I've had is I've seen an 8 coming out under 3 grams. So, you know, there's some frustration that's happening right now. And the solution's been suggested that we go back to, to, you know, the quote-unquote good old days of the legacy market where you could go into a dispensary and they would uh, measure your order in front of you, um, you know, and you would have some form of a say over what you would get in that order as well. I don't ever see that happening because of the tight health Canada regulations. Um, but, you know, maybe in an ideal world, we would have some form of control over what we're getting. Yeah. I don't know what the solution is. Um, I, you know, it's, it's like, you've got, uh, the, the current solution on the left side and then way on the, over on the right side, you've got the other solution of weighing it out in, in front of you. And, and, you know, it would be nice to have somewhere to meet in the middle, but I know for a fact, the right side isn't going to happen. They're not going to, uh, go back to, to that. You, you know, you're not allowed to open cannabis, uh, in, a in a retail shop. And I don't think that's ever going to change much like you, you're not allowed to crack a beer while you're walking around the, uh, the, <laughs> the liquor store. Um, but there has to be some sort of, I don't know. Do you, do you record opening every thing of cannabis and weighing it? Like that gets pretty monotonous. Uh, after had to have to do that after a while. Um, the, the word, the key word that you mentioned is trust and there's, there's gotta be some sort of trust. And obviously, at, you know, at least in Ontario and, and, and in certain situations or a lot of situations that you've, you've had, that, that trust isn't really there. 
I count myself lucky that, uh, unlike others, at least I haven't opened up an empty container. Right. Uh, or in one case, out in Nova Scotia, opened up a container that contained nuts and bolts. Right. Yeah. We talked about that. No kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, David, uh, thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, uh, some couple of interesting stories. Uh, I, I wish we could end on a, a more positive note, but uh, I guess I'll just say this. Enjoy the sunshine. Enjoy the cannabis. And uh, we will chat next week. Sounds good, my friend. Have fun camping. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. All right, I think I've uh, uh, sufficiently calmed down from my uh, angry rants about uh, rich CEOs and laid off employees uh in time to tell you about the cannabis and hemp expo october 3rd and 4th i know we don't want to think about the fall because we have a whole summer in front of us but just keep this in the back of your mind write it on your calendar october 3rd and 4th at the edmonton expo center we will be there we have a booth we'll be recording episodes we'll be talking with you can't wait to meet you all uh please come on say hi we will of course be taking uh, uh necessary precautions as far as cleaning and the microphones and the area uh, but you can find out more information at cannabishempexpo.com October 3rd and 4th, Edmonton Expo Center will be on location for the Cannabis and Hemp Expo. Looking forward to that. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. (laughs) It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey! I am your stoner. <laughs> and beyond. Dead the blue. Be careful with that, man. Uh, is it heavy stuff, man? <laughs> Cannabis character this week is Kristen Wiig uh, from the movie Paul. And I absolutely love Kristen Wiig. I will watch anything uh, with her in it. She is one of my all-time favorite Saturday Night Live characters. And in this flick, she plays a, a very religious character that joins two guys and an alien as they try to avoid the FBI and there's some weed involved. They end up around a campfire one night, and Paul, who's the alien, played by Seth Rogen, pulls out a doobie. You guys partake? No, thank you. I'll partake. Are you sure? (laughs) It's pretty strong shit. I get it from the military, actually. This is the stuff that killed Dylan. Hope Dylan's not dead. Isn't he? Hit me. Okay, just, uh, you know, go easy on it. A little bit, a little bit. It's not so bad. To be fair, it takes a while to be absorbed. (laughs) 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 I'm hungry. We should cook up some sausages. Do we have any sausages? Uh, What do you mean by that? Why do you guys hate me? Can we cook up some sausages? Oh, I have one! 
She'll be fine. That happened to me the first time. Uh, good stuff. Kristen Wiig is so great. Her physical comedy is so good as well. So if you like laughs, if you like Seth Rogen or Kristen Wiig, uh, check out Paul. And that's our uh, cannabis character, uh, Ruth Bug, uh, played by Kristen Wiig. And uh, check out Lobo Genetics. Uh, you can get a DNA kit. 50% off when you use the promo code cannabis 101. You can find that out lobogene.com. So head to lobogene.com, put in the promo code cannabis 101 and you get 50% off. And it's really cool because you can find out how you metabolize cannabis, uh, how you react if you are at risk for adverse effects due to THC when it comes to memory loss or mental health. Uh, so it's it's really uh, a great tool. You sign up, they send you a kit, you do a swab inside the cheek, you send it back, and then you get your own dashboard. And then they start recommending strains for you. So it's like having your own bud tender. So use the promo code CANNABIS101, all one word, at lobogene.com, and you can get 50% off a DNA kit. What's that strain? Let's find out with Chris Ionson, Nova Cannabis store manager and educator. Chris Ionson is our educator and the manager of the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location. Joins us once again for What's That Strain? How are things, Chris? Uh, things are great, Dean. I'm really uh, enjoying the day. It's a gorgeous day out. Sun yeah. is shining. Uh, after the uh, some of the rain that we've been having. We got pounded by rain here in uh, St. Albert earlier today, but uh, the sun is out indeed. And uh, I was in the other day. Uh, to pick up the strain that we are uh, doing and uh, use the click and collect method to get in, get out. Uh, it's faster for the customer. They can enjoy their products and it's uh, uh, better on you guys as well. And we're all trying to still be safe uh, during uh, what is uh, some uh, some uh, tough times for a lot of people. But um, the click and collect allows you to get in and get out. And I picked up WAPA. Uh, an indica that we are doing uh, today. And man, um, I, I've had this before, so I'm excited about it. Uh, and this is from Fireside. So tell us a little bit about Fireside and kind of where they started. So Fireside is the recreational brand for Vivo Cannabis. Uh, and Vivo Cannabis, they started out as Abcan, uh, originally at legalization. Uh, then uh, they had a name change. Um, Vivo is known for uh, premium cannabis products, and they're also a services pr provider. Uh, they're out of Napanee, Ontario, and they got their license in 2014. And now they've got three main brands uh, underneath their umbrella. Uh, the first one is Beacon Medical, and that's a, a medical cannabis provider uh, with a simplified system, you know, where they've got uh, high THC, mid THC, balanced, and high CBD. They don't really complicate things. It's, it's pretty simplified. Mm -hmm. um, and they've also got Lumina, and Lumina is a, a full-spectrum uh, rec market uh, cannabis oil. And so we've, we've seen Lumina oils uh, in the rec stores uh, and they, they do well and they're uh, uh, well-received. Uh, and then, then they've also got the Fireside, uh, which is their rec market. Uh, and they've got dried flour. They have 510 cartridges, edibles, and pre-rolls. 
Very interesting. Uh, I'm always interested when uh, you know a company has uh, a few different brands, and you you know if you if you like one, then you can come and expect uh, the same high quality uh, from from something else. So um, they have um, uh, processing and sales licenses from Health Canada for two premium indoor grow facilities in Canada. Tell us about these two facilities. Yeah, for sure. So. Um the first one we'll talk about is, is the Canna Farms Grow Facility. Uh, it's an award-winning uh, indoor cultivation uh, facility in, in Hope, BC, so out on the West Coast. Uh, and then they're also uh, in Napanee, Ontario, and that's their uh, Abcam uh, Medicinals. This is the name of the facility, so named after the, the old company there. Uh, and that's a world-class indoor facility. Uh, it contains their uh, proprietary plant-growing techni- technology, and also it's got a comprehensive... Uh, research partnership with the University of Guelph uh, to enhance cannabis production and uses. Yeah, it's no pretty kidding. cool they're working yeah. with the students uh, and, there. And more well. research that can be done on this plant, uh, the better. Uh, now, I, I always like when we kind of find out, a, I don't know if the, the right term is what a company stands for or what their motto is, but kind of what, what's the, the, the genesis uh, and, and, and for, for Fireside, um, you know, what's their, uh, their, maybe their motto or their creed maybe? Yeah, for sure. I got, I've got it here, man. It's uh, it's Fireside brings friends together with a high quality line of premium cannabis that is geared towards groups. Fireside simplifies the approach to premium craft cannabis by offering three core varieties of dried flower and pre-rolled joints, according to their THC and CBD content. Consumers can tailor their purchases based on group size, high potency Fireside Black for large groups, Fireside Red for more intimate gatherings oh, that's, and Fireside that's Gold so for smaller That's so awesome. And, and Fireside is such a great name for, yeah, for right. this season. I mean, I'm going camping later this week. Fireside's going to be great to have sitting around the fire. So, so I'm really excited about that. And, and also about the variety of products <laughs> that they have. Yeah, for sure. Um, like I've got, got a pretty positive, good take on Fireside. I've, I've been uh, smoking their stuff for, for quite a while uh, since legalization, since getting into this industry. Um, they've got a pretty solid variety of strain selection. Um, they've got the Wapa, the Sensi Star. Uh, they've also had uh, the Perps. Uh, they've had a Sour Kush. They've had a Shishka Berry. Um, all kind of really kind of popular strains that, you know, sell well that people people like. Um, I'm a big fan of their 3.5 gram packages. Uh, they're very similar to like a 35 mm-hmm. yeah. mil film case. Um, and you just kind of get, you get, you get a squeeze and it pops up. Um, that's been a container that I, I've, I've reused, uh, you know, when I do get them, I'll, I'll reuse it for, for other stuff. Um, also, uh, I, I always, I, I get their, their 3.5 WAPA quite regularly. It's, it's kind of like a, a main a staple in, in my, in my cannabis bar in there. And, uh, I usually get some really nice looking buds in those 3.5s. Like, um, you know, I've seen it at one big, big bud and, and a little guy down at the bottom, just one huge bud for my 3.5, which is really nice to see. Um, and I, their pre-rolls are always nice too. Um, and their vapes, uh, have these really nice kind of classy, uh, gold chrome tips and they taste great. Uh, I've tried their, um, their blaze one, which is their, their THC shishka berry one. It was really tasty. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of their edibles. Uh, they're delicious. They've got, uh, their caramel, uh, milk chocolate one is, is amazing. 
Um, and it, they received like some complaints about people saying hey, it tasted too much like like cannabis, which I didn't I didn't even notice. Uh, but they fixed it. They went. They heard. They listened. Uh, and they made changes uh, mm, to the that recipe. That is awesome. So those, uh, pretty cool that they're doing those, that. Those uh, film uh, canister-looking things are great for reusing uh, if you're traveling and things like that. So uh, it is a really good idea to do that. So let's talk about WAPA itself and the strain and, you know, how it came to be. What's the history behind WAPA? <clears throat> for sure, Dean. Uh, so... Uh, back in 2006, um, the Dutch breeder uh, Paradise Seeds, uh, they created WAPA. Uh, and they're kind of legends in the industry. Uh, they've created Sensi Star and Della Hayes, uh, two real big hits in the rec market. Uh, but in my opinion, WAPA was their best. Um, the main grower uh, for WAPA uh, was a grower by the name of The Doc. Uh, and, uh, and he even preached kind of that WAPA was his you know, favorite creation that he, that he kind of worked on. Uh, and so the genetics to it is, is it's it's a kind of a, a sweet skunk where they kind of kept crossing the sweet skunk back in with sweet skunk a sweet sweet skunk, uh, and they kept kind of breeding it through. And they would select the biggest and the juiciest plants of each generation until they were pleased with the results. And then they from and once they were kind of settled, uh, you know, WAPA was was created and uh, yeah, an award winning legendary. As well. I, I, One of my favorites. Also, how they say uh, it's a sativa acting indica. A uh, great daytime strain. It works well in a group setting, and it has won a number of awards. Yeah, it has for sure. Uh, you know, at uh, Canada's Cannabis Champs Cup in 2014, uh, at the Euro Copa de Canarias in 2011, uh, and then they, they picked up third place at the Copa de Canaria in, in uh, yeah in 2011. There's um, so yeah. Kind of big legendary genetics. Um, WAP has always been kind of kind of been around awesome. uh, and then doing I'm, well. I, you know, like I said, I've 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 tried this before. I really enjoyed it, and I think a lot of people out there are going to really enjoy it when they try it as well. And you can find some more information at www.firesidecannabis.com. Uh, it's certainly uh, you know it's it's one of those websites where it makes you want to run out grab a joint, grab a bunch of friends and head to the beach. Cause that's the first picture you see on that website. So I, I like their website. It's got a pretty cool feel and it makes you want to go <laughs> hang out with friends and smoke a joint. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, also I, I found it like, mm -hmm. you know, real like aesthetic to navigate real kind of sleek, uh, yeah, uh, big shout out for the website. You, you think, uh, uh, let's talk about the, the THC brand. level well, in too. this uh, one gram pre-roll that I picked up. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I picked one up as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's 15.7% THC. So you know, kind of a mid-range. Uh, but I, I feel like it's important to note that uh, it does hit a bit harder than that. So, like, <laughs> for me, it's, it feels well, like it's in the 20% area. It's kind area. of a sativa-acting indica too, right? So it's, uh, you know, 15.7% punches above his weight, uh, above its weight. And uh, just, uh, you know, when you're looking at your uh, pre-roll, yeah. if, you're, if you're at home and you pick this up and you're, you're trying to figure out the THC percentage and all you can see is uh, milligrams, well, this says 157 milligrams. So the easiest way for that, Chris, you always say is move the decimal point one over. Yeah, that's right. If it's a one gram joint, uh, absolutely. Uh, if it was right. a half gram joint, we'd have to 
double that number up and then move it over. But uh, yes, for so the one gram drink. All so right. This so one is a, what's in a name? This is what I found when it comes to WAPA. Uh, well, there's there's a few different uh, definitions on the Urban Dictionary. Uh, some of them we won't go into because sometimes that can get you in some uh, trouble. But this one I found on the Urban Dictionary. It says it stems from the Spanish word uh, for WAPA, uh, which is, uh, it says it originated rather uh, as a Spanish word, pasto, and somehow in the translation uh, turned into WAPA. So the quote is, when's the next WAPA session? So there's another word that we can use from it. And, and who knows if that's true? That's the Urban Dictionary, but that's the closest thing I could find for what's in a name. Yeah, that sounds, uh, you know, pretty pretty good to me. I couldn't find much at all on it. It's uh, pretty tricky. There's not a lot of information. Like I even tried you know, checking out Paradise Seeds and seeing what they said and not really a lot of info on it. Right. So I, I do uh, like to take a look at this and, and what it looks like. First of all, um, you know, standard uh, two packaging, not uh, over the top at all. And the best thing about these is you can reuse these as dube tubes, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. You can put, you know, three or four of your own dubes in there too. Uh, you're not going to be as big as the cone that that's in there. Um, I'm a big fan of the pre-roll though. They got the, like the white rice uh, rolling paper, um, real nice filter too. And and what I like is um, the filter fits how it should. There's no, I don't have to do any extra work to it. Um, I can't stand when I, you know, pay a little bit extra to buy a pre-roll joint. And then I end up having to, you know, uh, retwist it or you know, fix the filter. Um, every one of the, yeah, nobody wants to do, nobody wants to do awesome. joint surgery when you buy a pre-roll. And the thing, the thing I like about this is, and you know, this is something no. that you taught me as far as, uh, you know, packaging a good joint. I don't roll, but I can produce a joint. I can pack it. And it's so important for those of you at home, when you're producing your joint, to make sure that you have a solid base when you get your pre-roll take it out and you know i don't want you to bend it to a right angle but just put a little pressure and see if it bends and if it doesn't it's rolled and it's packed properly and this one is this one mm -hmm. is a really yeah, good well it's a strong base it's strong all the way through um everything about it uh, is really well done um now i don't i'm not going to unroll this to take a look at it uh but you can tell me what the bud form looks like <laughs> yeah for sure uh it, it, it's impressive the fireside wapa is really nice uh usually dark green buds with some like dark brown pistols to it the smell is is super nice though it's kind yep. of a skunky fruity to it uh um uh, earthy too like earthy skunk uh with that kind of sweet and fruity mm -hmm. it's uh, a with a little bit of floral notes if that it. makes any kind of um, sense right mm -hmm. yeah, yeah uh, that's, that's kind of I, the, the picture I, I of in my mind but it does smell it it is really good especially with those pre-rolls it's like you can treat them like a cigar right put them right up you get a good uh, whiff job of it as well so terpene profile when it comes to wapa from fireside what are we looking at so yeah the three main terpenes uh, in wapa uh, we're looking at our myrcene and that's going to be kind of that earthy uh, flavor and smell uh, caryophylline uh, the black pepper and spice 
Uh, and then pinene as well. For All right, so that's the terpene profile. Aroma. Really quickly, for those listeners that may be new to cannabis, can you explain um, you know, what a terpene might be, if this is a word they've never heard, and, and how it plays into the entourage effect? Yeah, for sure, Dean. So uh, terpenes are uh, they're aromatic oils that secrete from the cannabis glands, uh, and they make your bud uh, you know, smell and taste a certain way. Um, so for example, caryophylline, that's a terpene that's known to, to be kind of black pepper and spicy. Um, and so you'll kind of notice that when you smell your bud or when you're smoking it, um, you'll kind of catch those flavors. And uh, with terpenes too, there is like some, some effects, uh, that, you know, you can kind of receive from certain terpenes. Uh, there's still a lot of testing being done on it. Um, but you know, there's like, um, some sativas with limonene in it will be a little bit more of like an up, uplifting energetic. Uh, Mercine is, is, is a terpene that uh, can be a, a sedative, can be a real issue with the, the couch lock. Uh, so yeah, terpenes uh, definitely do play a big part in cannabis. They are worth looking into. If, you, if you've never heard of them before, Google it, uh, look it up on Leafly, um, because they kind of play into the entourage effect. And with that, um, that's kind of the whole uh, effect of, of the strain of cannabis. So we take the THC content, the CBD content, as well as the terpene content. Those three things mixed together are going to give And people should know every plant has terpenes. Effect. It's not just the cannabis plant. It's in everything. And, it, and you know, caryophylline, that's my favorite. Yeah. It's, a, it's that spicy, peppery taste that you talk to. It binds with your CB1 and CB2 receptors uh, in your body. So there are, there are things about terpene, as you mentioned, we are learning every day and uh, at some point, people will start buying their cannabis, and some do, based on terpene as opposed to uh, THC levels. So there's a little uh, uh, quick explanation about terpenes and the uh, entourage effect. What about the desired effect? And we should point out everybody reacts a little bit differently to cannabis, but what's the general desired effect with WAPA? Uh, so with WAPA, for me, uh, I mean, it's definitely an intense buzz, uh, you know, it's right off, right at the bat. Um, it's not too overwhelming. Um, it, it definitely provides kind of like a, an indica carpet to walk over, but it never drags you down into it. So, so you kind of feel the body effects to it. Uh, but you're not going to be like, oh, I just want to sit down and, and chill. You, you, you're going to be active. You're going to do stuff. Uh, definitely an active indica. Uh, I find it to be very uplifting. Uh, and there's definitely an apparent, like a body vibe. Um, definitely feel the body. And, uh, I mean, yeah, like we said, active indica, so it's more conducive to like whooping it up with your pals than it is to like getting so glued is, to your um, couch. And uh, pack, well, you it's know? a, it's almost like a, a relaxing active strain. So, well, you might not want to be, uh, you know, going for a mm-hmm. bike ride, but you might want to be around friends and, and, you know, board game, uh, uh, just, you know, gathering, things like that, going out for dinner or something like that. That's, it's going to re- relax you, but still keep you in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. definitely yeah. enjoying it right now. And this roll job is awesome. And and that's the other thing. You can really tell a good roll job once you uh, light it up. So tell me about the three W's. Who, what, and when is WAPA good for? So who it's good for? Uh, intermediates to experts, uh, kind of a level two and, and higher. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, you're just getting into cannabis, but I don't think you should start with WAPA. I think it's going to be a little intense. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've been smoking cannabis for a bit and you haven't tried WAPA, give it a shot. Uh, uh, there's a lot of different LPs that are doing it. 
Uh, I'm going to say out of the current ones that are doing it, Fireside is probably one of my like my favorite of, of the WAPAs right now. Um, yeah, it's really nice to try it if you haven't. Uh, what it's good for, uh, chilling out uh, without melting into the couch. Uh, it's good for, you know, video games, movies, interesting conversations with friends. Uh, like social, I think it's a real good social stream. Like, good for, you know, um, still kind of feeling that indica high, but, uh, you know, doesn't really slow you down and you don't get the mumbles with, with WAPA. So it's really nice for that. Uh, when it's good for after dinner, uh, I think, you know, kind of more of an evening time uh, strain. Um it's also good for like a at a social function. So you know, if you're going yeah, to for dinner, and you guys can all go out for a, a session. It'll be beautiful. This would be really good for playing online video games. Mm-hmm. You're playing with your, especially right now, people are cooped up at home. You got some buddies. You're playing online, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, you know Call of Duty or GTA or Red Dead, whatever game, and maybe some NHL. You get a little WAPA going. You be uh, you might be the star of the show on the uh, online uh, headset there. So I think that would be good for it as uh, as well. Uh, all right, the the taste test. Um, definitely, I'm getting some spicy tones from this. What else do you see from this, and what else do you taste from this? Yeah, so um, definitely sweet and fruity as well to go with that spicy. So um, I kind of noticed it's almost like berry or. Mm-hmm. fruit it's a fruity kind of sweetness uh and then i just noticed too uh and uh, uh i i uh hints of floral like like i think there's maybe some little linalool in there too um and i definitely think that's got some bite uh you know when you when you do take a pull on it i mean uh as smooth as it is uh there's still you know some bite there. that's kind of sure. like a little bit of kick on the after on the exhales for sure i yeah i get a, a nice uh, strong aftertaste um it's it's this is gonna sound weird but my dad used to smoke cherry tobacco and i kind of smell some like maybe that's that fruitiness that that comes through there so uh, not to say that it's, this tastes like uh pipe tobacco but it's just got that smell kind of conjures up that uh that memory for me so I like it. I like the taste. I like how smooth it is, but I know that this is going to be uh, pretty active. So this is Fireside Wapa. And as I mentioned, I grabbed this with Click and Collect. And you were telling me then, is there some shatter coming from these guys? There is uh, today. Uh, today was day one. Uh, we received some Fireside Wapa shatter. We got uh a one gram uh, case of one gram shatter today. So fireside first, first to market with shatter here in Alberta. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting to see. Uh, and they're also going to be doing a, a blueberry uh, and an OG Kush uh, shatter. I'm a one big blueberry as well. fan. And uh, yeah, click and collect. It's easy. You head to Leafly, uh, find Nova Cannabis Jasper Ev, uh, make your order, go in, say hi to the fellas and the, uh, the gals and you're in and out just like that. You can grab some shatter from fireside or maybe some WAPA as we did on what's that strain. This has been a lot of fun, Chris. Also, thanks for doing uh, one hitters, which will be out later in the week and enjoy the week. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this on my camping trip, sitting uh, beside the fire with some fireside WAPA. Thanks for doing this as always. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dean. is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond.
Check out One Hitters later this week featuring Chris Ionson as we get to know his cannabis history. He's got some pretty funny stories. You can find it and full episodes at www.cannabis101podcast.ca where you can also subscribe to the Weed Weekly and you can qualify for our monthly giveaway. This is the Business of Cannabis, a joint venture between the Green Generation Co. and the Cannabis 101 podcast. Bringing you the latest bud, biz, buzz. Once again, I am joined by Malka LaBelle of the Green Generation Company. You can find it online at greengencompany.com. Home. Malka, how are you on uh, what is now turned into a very rainy province of Alberta? Yeah, I mean, it's sunny where I am, but we had some crazy storms this weekend. Man, the <laughs> footage, yeah, the footage that uh, came out of Calgary. I mean, we had a, a storm that night. You guys, uh, you guys had like a storm times 10. Apparently, it was a cross between a tornado and a hurricane, according to, like, the stats on the web. <laughs> so, it was insane. But, fortunately, for my neck of the woods, we just saw a massive thunderstorm that kind of swept through. But, heck, yeah, that was, it was insane once I saw the pictures. Yeah, wow, it was uh, scary. Glad everybody uh, seems to be safe. Um, let's get into our first topic. And, and we're discussing uh, rebuilding the Canadian economy with cannabis insuring. What are you talking about with this? So I think I made up this term, but I might have heard it referenced somewhere else. I'm not sure. But what I meant by insuring is the opposite of offshoring. So in, in the business world, you know, we talk about there has been a massive trend towards globalization of the past sort of 10 years where people would send their, uh, you know, close their, you know, Canadian made or their North American made factories where they, you know, pay the top dollar for their employees and then send the work overseas where it's cheaper to make everything less expensive. Well, you know, that trend has largely been criticized for uh, major uh, losses for a lot of jobs and people without them and things like that. And right now in this time, you know, sort of former COVID, post uh, ending COVID, I don't know whatever you want to call it, but this era that we're in now, this new time um, where you know, we're sort of still in this, like, we've got to really focus on, you know, borders are closed, we can't openly travel, goods are still moving. But there's a massive opportunity here with the cannabis um, sort of economy picking up, as we, as we saw with COVID, the numbers in, in retail really picking up. And, and with the whole people sort of staying at home and hunkering down and either having time on their hands to try new stuff or being driven crazy by their children or whatever, we're seeing that cannabis seems to be working well in these times. And what I mean by insuring is, this has actually happened because of this podcast. I'm going to give you major props, uh, Dean, for giving me the platform to talk about this stuff. But I have been getting a lot of interest of my, on my, of my topics of conversation through LinkedIn and, and this podcast and other places that I'm publishing um, because people from other parts of the world are really interested in what's happening in Canada, in cannabis specifically. And, and the world is watching and we're the first country in the world to legalize this. Uh, across the board with very tight regulations. 
and everyone cares. It seems like it seems like this is the new it industry, um, and this is really a, a this is why I keep you know talking about the point where we as Canadians are leaders in this space, but we have to acknowledge that leadership role. And when people come calling and saying, hey, we're from another country, we are interested in what you're doing. Like, this is the kind of thing where before I would, you know, kind of hang hang up the phone, click, I'm not interested. I don't know who you are or why you're calling me. I'm giving it a second thought because their compelling argument is that we are interested and we've been listening for a while and they give enough information that they actually are paying attention. And it's interesting because what they want to do is spend money, open up industry, um, bring their ideas, which are largely not legal in their country, but they're what they call um, anecdotal uh, ways of doing things and see if they work under a legal structure in Canada grow them under our regulatory framework and then take them back to their home countries where there's way more people that would buy them. So that's a huge business opportunity and an economic driver that would benefit Canada. That's it's so interesting because you are right. Um, I mean, we might think uh, that the cannabis regulations are strict here, but go to Uruguay and, and find out really how strict they are. And uh, that's why everybody is watching Canada, uh, because to see how did they do us? How did they do it? Oh, we'd like to do it that way. Oh, we'd like to do this better. Uh, but why not take advantage of that? I mean, we, we should almost have basically a legalization blueprint that people can follow and, and tweak if they want to. Um, and it shouldn't just be for governments. It should be for different kinds of companies. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what these companies, uh, that's the interest that I've gotten. And I, I really feel that this is a massive opportunity. Like for some, some, someone like myself, where I don't have a you know plant or facility, but I have a consulting, you know, practice so to speak and i think that this is the thing they're calling me because they want to know how to how to get it like how do we get our boots on the ground in canada what are the legal channels to do that and there are they, those exist they're you know bringing business into canada is something that canadians have been doing for centuries and we're pretty good at that and we have a really good way of like for example um you know how do we how do we regulate or how do we help um with proper taxes and ownership laws with foreign interests. So, for example, um, it's, what I think of is like, you know, when the uh, China uh, companies are the, wanted to come in and buy oil and gas companies, which was happening for a long time, um, there was like laws that were changed or that were discussed, in, you know, in, in our in our own parliament to could make sure that Canadians maintain ownership of those companies. So those are, those are in place. So in this, this is a perfect example where, Companies like that can come in, and, and I was advising them to, you know, partner with a, a LPs who desperately need money right now. The ones that exist or the ones that are up and coming, everybody needs investment. So these are, you know, over, oh, offshore businesses that want to come to Canada and employ Canadians and work under our laws to grow their concept in our economy. Why the heck not? I don't really see any negative other than if it doesn't work, well, at least they tried they're still left with, you know, we tried something and now we know it doesn't work, but if it's successful, then we then have an exportable business concept with a potential for business uh, diversification in their economy as well. Um, and I stipulated in my, in my talking to these, these people that, you know, if you're doing it under our regulations and you're investing or you're bringing your money into Canada, um, the best thing to do is, you know, make it, uh, um, 
accessible or entertaining uh, or approachable for other Canadians to get involved, like paying royalties or dividends to those companies in the long term. So they have a long-term reason to partner with, with a company like that. So I thought it was great. And I'm, I'm happy to help any company overseas uh, figure out a pathway if they have something different or interesting or they just want to learn. You know, even if they can't come here physically right now, the border isn't closed virtually. It's only closed physically. So we can definitely have those conversations and, and, and make those matches. And that's what I'm here to do. And do you have people, do you think there are people lined up ready to do this? Well, I know that there's this, well, this one company did reach out to me. He literally contacted me through LinkedIn. We already had a couple connections through some of the bigger groups and networks that are part of. So I didn't, you know, say, no, I don't want to talk to you. Um, but they were in, they called from India and they said, you know, th- we do something like this in India, but not with cannabis. They use other plants, basically, or other uh, spices, really, which is, you know, that's where spices came from. So, we, um, and the, the business that they're in is in extraction, you know, of, of things from food pro- food grade uh, extracts, essentially, was what I think their business is. So, the, the businesses to line up, I don't know if they're lined up, but I'm, I'm opening the door. I'm like, hey, if you have something from a country and you're listening to this, call me. Like, I would happily explore what that is. Um, and I think, especially if they're willing to put money into it, like, I mean, it's, we're not, a, you know, nothing's for free here, right? If you have an idea and you want to do something, you have to be willing to put some dollars behind it to show that you're, you're, you've got something to prove. Um, and partnerships with Canadian companies in order to achieve those goals. And I think we're open to that kind of stuff. I think so, for sure. I, I think that we should definitely be looking at uh, some of these different options that uh, are outside of uh, Canada that can come into Canada and uh, make a difference. Speaking of make a difference, uh, when it comes to change makers, uh, we are talking about hempe.ca and the distribution of super bits. I'm, I'm really intrigued mm-hmm. about super bits. Yeah, so hempe uh, is, is the company is called Hempe Distribution, and they're essentially uh, an online store for hemp products. Um, it's a distribution company uh, started in Alberta, central Alberta. Um, and the lovely lady that started this company, she was actually one of my first uh, consulting clients back in 2018. And and I was just enamored with her. She's like a real, like, you know, just roll up your sleeves and just do it all. Uh, you know, a young mom and she's, you know, she had a lot of personal adversity and she was really looking for a business that she could grow herself from her home farm and central Alberta. And this company actually really grew very organically. And she used a network marketing model, which is one of those ones where I'm like really against because it sounds like a pyramid scheme, but it's not at all. Actually, it's just like very simplistic. Um, But the hemp e-distribution company basically has a bunch of different brands. There's a bunch of products, all of them made in Canada um, and sourced in Canada. And she's like an online store. So it's like online you know, like a a plant organic or, you know, one of those natural products, but everything's made with hemp. And it's a full lineup of, of goods. So this is everything from like, you know, um, body care and soaps and, and creams to, you know, um, um, hemp food products. So she's got this, these super bits. So the super bits are actually hemp seed hearts or hemp, hemp hearts. Like, you know, like the, ha- the Manitoba harvest hemp hearts that yep. were in Costco forever and then purchased by Tilray for $419 million. <laughs> so, um, you know, as soon as I, she started telling me about these super bits, which was one of her top selling products for a long time, but she didn't make them. They were just, they were distributed through her, through her, her online store. 
So when we were working together, she was saying how this, this particular supplier, they made a lot of different goods and they were wanting to focus more on the, on the cosmetic side of, you know, the lotions and the different sunscreens, et cetera, um, things like that. So they, they dropped the super bits or they called it something else. I think they were just flavored hemp seeds. So they decided to discontinue that product. And, and she was really advising them against it. She said it was their most popular selling product on the entire site that she saw of all of the products that she sold. But they said, you know what, it was just expensive and it was hard for them to do. So they dropped the line. And then with working with me, I helped a little bit with advising her on how to sort of figure out how to make a food product when you have nothing to make, like you've never made anything before. So, and she was a really big fan of the product herself. Like she used it with her family, with her kids, their kids had allergies, things like that. So it was a really good, healthy, uh, basically hemp hearts that are flavored. And she just added, I don't, she has a proprietary process and she figured out a way to sort of make it on a larger scale. She went through the motions like herself and with the support of her community. Um, I think it was the community futures group or the economic diversity group in central Alberta to find the channels to do this. And in the course of a year, she went from, so she had a product that had been made before. So she had a pretty good concept. And then now, like in the last few few uh, weeks here, she launched her own line called Superbit. And she did the whole thing herself. And I'm so impressed. And they're delicious. Like I got my first apples and I'm like, oh my God, they are really good. Um, I put them on my yogurt and like in, in cereal, my daughter loves them on ice cream. Like they're such a, it's such a simple, but super nutritious food. And she has them in four flavors, maple, cinnamon, Mexicana, and lemon, pepper, dill pickle. They're just awesome. And they're so, it's so simple, but no one else is doing this. Like this product does not exist anywhere else. And I, I said to her when we first talked about it, like it was in the time right before the Hillary acquisition. And I, I knew that that was, it was one of those things that had been announced but hadn't been closed yet, you know, in the deal-making world. And, you know, everybody knew that Manitoba Hemp Hearts was a big name because they were in Costco. Like, everyone could get them everywhere. They were very popular. And this was a better version of that that made them much more tasty, even on their own or with other stuff. So I was like, oh, my God, you might have something here that would be worth acquiring your company and your, you know, patented process on this or your the way that you're doing it. I'm like, go for it. Like, so I was all in support and helped her wherever I could. And yeah, I'm like, you know, she did it. And hopefully, you know, I mean, they just got launched on her website. It's Tempe.ca, uh, but anyone can buy them now and try them out. And who knows, maybe Tilray or the next company will come knocking for, you know, half a billion dollars. Yeah, <laughs> or she turns it into a, a, you know, billion dollar company herself. Who knows? It seems like the, the sky is the limit. I, I certainly think the sky is the limit when it comes to to hemp uh, in general. I mean that uh, that plant is just a, a wonder crop. So for more information and, and if you want to order yourself, it's hempe.ca and you can get your own uh, super bits uh, with the the four flavors. I'm really interested in the uh, dill pickle. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going <laughs> to check that out. All right, uh, let's talk about what it means to be green. Uh, I love this segment because we are always talking about, um, you know, ways to not only uh, be green in cannabis, but help the environment. And, and this week, uh, what it means to be green is about the commoditization of cannabis. Yeah, so this wording the my definition of green in this case or my play on this is green as in money green as in dollar bills cash coin whatever you want to call it. green is the money aspect of the commoditization of cannabis where cannabis is should not be considered a commodity i am 
extremely against this concept, um, but it has been overly and overly done uh, in terms of talking about from largely, you know, business analysts, even the heads of large companies that make the products themselves, talk about the value um, in a commodity kind of way. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, the word commodity has a lot of, you know, sort of meanings. Um, but in this sense, what it's meaning is a commodity is an economic good uh, or service um, that market, that the market treats um, instances of as equivalent or nearly the same with no regard to who produces them. So essentially what that means is that cannabis is a commodity means that all cannabis is the same. It doesn't matter who's making who's growing it or making it. And that effectively nullifies the point of having it as a free market, you know, business where everyone is growing their own cultivars and there's different companies and different brands. It essentially says it doesn't matter what you're growing. It's all the same to us. And that to me is like a stab in the friggin' heart. And mm-hmm. also to all of the people that have been incarcerated for it, that have lost their livelihoods, that have gone, gone to the ends of the earth to make it legal so that it could be used as medicine, not as a commodity. And it's painful that today there was another announcement or this article in the growth off, which is, you know, supposedly our you know, news source from the, it's like the CEO of Canopy Rivers. You know, Canopy Rivers, they're supposed to be doing good in this world, <laughs> supposedly. And I'm knocking them because it's really painful for people like giants like Canopy. Canopy Rivers is an investment arm extension of the Canopy Growth Company. Now, the Canopy Growth Company, you've already heard, has laid off a bunch of people. They own a ton of brands, you know, Tweed and, and all of the Tokyo Smoke. They own a whole bunch of brands. And they opened up the industry and, you know, bought a bunch of, uh, started a bunch of facilities and bought a bunch of other companies. And then now they're kind of reversing aim because they haven't been successful. They basically said, we haven't figured this out. Um, and then here's Canopy River, who's like the investment arm. They're like, oh, yeah, we got all this funding. We're going to invest in other stuff. And the CEO of that company is saying, yeah, well, we're going to consider beverages, which was supposed to be the next big, like, oh, this is the next next big thing with cannabis edibles, is these beverages. Um, but these beverages have also not seen any success, like globally. I mean, California started having them. It's like a slice, like less than 1% of the edible market is considered beverages. And I'm like, you guys, you got to stop talking about this stuff. Like, it's a commodity. Um, so let me pull this all together because it, sort of, it sounds confusing. I'm kind of off on tangent. Basically, why is the commoditization of cannabis bad? Well, it's bad for the plant. It's bad for the people that have dedicated their lives, like I said before, and all the scientists and researchers and product developers and all the people that are looking at trying to find different formats in which people can try it and feel that it's accessible to them because maybe they don't want to smoke it. Um, why, like, well, why is it bad? Well, companies that are trying to make a name for themselves and grow in the space with branding or with differentiation or all these different cultivars or anything that they're doing, and people that know that this plant is different, like a strain of cultivar of Bubba Kush um, is very different than a strain of Charlotte's Web. Yeah. Um, you know, like people that know the product would know that's a high indica and a high CBD and you would not use those for the same reason. So that's what I mean is that people that are unfamiliar with cannabis because they are, they're either not users or they're not educated on it or they just don't care would think that, Oh, well that's all the same thing, but there is so not. And then when you have people coming in that are saying like, you know, they're resorting these cans of beverages to 
literally he did a math equation in the article about the you know the dollar of the product compared to the percentage of THC value. So that's literally resorting all of the stuff that I just talked about into a ratio, you know, percentage value. That's a commoditization exercise. Um, in order to keep drawing a comparison between the other 2.0 edible formats, like he talked about chocolate, and there's been a lot of success, by the way, with the Canadian cannabis chocolates. I don't know if you've tried some of the Bang Medibles or the mm-hmm. Foray, or they're awesome. And I don't know, like I like I like the chocolate edibles, but the beverages, it's an, it's like an entirely different product category. It's like it's like saying you know you're taking something and saying it's you know the percentage of THC to the dollar of the product makes it, you know, not, you know, not a good thing um, and therefore commoditizing it over that way because it's like saying, this is my comparison. So hear me out of the big thing, because I think it makes sense, but tell me what you think. It's like saying that like Kleenex, toilet paper, printer paper, and paper towels are all the same thing. And then doing a percentage calculation of the paper in it Mm -hmm. to the dollar value to create a comparison amongst all of those products. Like, do you agree that that's a fair comparison of different product categories? Well, they're all they're all made from pulp, yeah. Yeah, so the commodity yeah. is the pulp in the paper, right? right? So that's the commodity. In this case, the commodity he's saying is the THC value, mm-hmm. and that the only thing that's of value in in all of these products is just the percentage of THC, and that's just inherently wrong. Like, I don't know, it's wrong for me because using an edible is a very accessible form for a lot of people that wouldn't try a beverage or wouldn't smoke cannabis. And an edible format that tastes like chocolate doesn't taste like a can of beer or a can of soda. So the, it's going back to like, like this is what I think. It's like, like why would you, you know, you, you spend all of this money and all of this time making these beverages. Like he's critiquing their own product that they make basically and saying, you know, why was, why did you make it in the first place? Just to compare it as a commodity against other products in general? Because really, when you look back at like why people would consume a beverage, like the original strategic player on that was to be another product instead of like a beer or an alcohol. In which case, a can of beer for five bucks is that a good deal, Dean? You must drink some beer. What a uh, five dollar beer? Well, that's a that's a good price if you're in a bar, but not a great price if you're buying from a store. Right. But the original concept prior to legalization was we're going to make like a five or six dollar can of right. so a can of something that's a beverage. You, you have it on the golf course or you have it at a restaurant or a bar. So that's just a small dose of THC that is quick acting, which is why it can be put into a liquid. So it can be that it's a nano emulsion that can be absorbed quickly. But and that it can also come out quickly of your system so that you can drive or you can go home instead of, you know, having a longer-term effect, which edibles typically have. So it's almost like they completely, in this guy's argument in this, this article, and, and maybe I missed something, but honestly, I think what I heard out of this article was that he missed the boat in terms of his own product and as, as to why they even created their own product. And he's resorting it to a percentage THC, which is the commodity that we're discussing here, which is not what the only thing that cannabis is about. And there's my soapbox for the day <laughs> well there are a lot of cannabis products that don't have thc so it's a it's a bit of a, a strange argument to only focus on thc because there's a lot of people that use the product 
without THC. So uh, on that basis alone, I don't really understand uh, the argument. But I love the passion, uh, and I love it every week. Malcolm LaBelle from The Green Generation Co. You can find out more information at www.greengencompany.com. Hopefully it stays dry for the rest of the week, Malcolm. Thank you so much for joining me, and have a good one. Thanks, Dean. Bud, dope, flower, ganja, Mary Jane. We all have our own language when it comes to cannabis. Herb, John Lennon, plant, tie stick, salad. So let's explore another weed word of the day. Samuel O. Jackson, the Hobbit's Leaf, Lady Gaga, 420. All right, the weed words of the day, one slang, one standard, going with uh, doobie uh, when it comes to slang, uh, which is basically just a joint. Uh, Now, where does the term doobie come from? Um, well, that's up for debate. I have dube tubes, so you know um, it's uh, it's definitely a cannabis term. In fact, the Doobie Brothers named their band what it is because they smoke so much pot. Somebody said, you guys should just call yourself the Doobie Brothers because you're always smoking so much pot. One of the guys didn't even know what, it, what Doobie meant it, but they all thought it was a dumb name and they were going to change it, and they never did. It's said that jazz singers used the term in the 50s when uh, one guy allegedly couldn't go back and play his set after a break. He was so high and he called it a doobie joint saying, I doobie doobie good after hitting it. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, Depends on where you uh where you look there's a couple of different stories uh i think the one dictionary site said it was first used in 1967 uh in kind of slang terms but obviously if you uh if you listen to the other story it was in the 50s so anyway doobie if you hear it means a joint if you are definitely new to cannabis and uh if you're not you've known about that word for a long time uh, the standard term is eighth um so if, if you're going in to buy cannabis uh, for the first time um you know or, or you're just learning about cannabis and you want to know what some of the terminology is an eighth is just an eighth of an ounce uh, so Cannabis is all kind of structured on the the ounce, the you know the twenty eight grams. So an ounce is uh, an eighth of an ounce is three and a half grams. So you either go into the store and you see, uh, or you're maybe you see online you see eighth um, uh, or quarter, uh, things like that. Uh, quarter is seven grams, a quarter of an ounce. So an eighth, if you hear people just saying I want an eighth, that just means it's an eighth of an ounce and it's three and a half grams. Uh, so there you go. Hopefully uh, if you're new to cannabis and you know, maybe you knew that term, maybe you didn't, but uh, I have had some people ask me about the, uh, um, I guess the, uh, the, the weight terms that people use when you're buying it, uh, as far as, uh, you know, if you're buying a pre-roll, it's a half a gram or a full gram. Uh, but some of the other stuff can be a little bit confusing for some people anyway. So there's a little uh, weed words of the day going with a, a doobie and an eight. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast. Your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Hey 
And that's going to wrap things up uh, for this week's episode. Big thanks to David Wiley from the OZ for joining me on This Week in Cannabis News. Chris Ianson, as always, our educator and the manager of the Nova Cannabis Jasper Ave location. He joined me for What's That Strain? We did Fireside Wappa uh, as a pre-roll, and it was awesome. And Malcolm LaBelle from the Green Generation Co. on the business of cannabis, bringing us the latest Bud Biz Buzz. Uh, so you can uh, find those uh, individual segments uh, later in the week. They will be posted uh, on our uh, social media platforms. If you'd like to be a part of the show, I'd love to hear from you, uh, whether it's as a guest or as an advertiser. Please email me, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe and leave us a review. Really helps us to improve the show. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Have a great week. I'll be thinking of all of you as I'm sitting around the campfire smoking joints this week and enjoying the beautiful plant that is Mary Jane. Uh, Just one more thing. As we head out, we'll have marijuana. Uh, from the artist My Dead Dog. And as we go, just remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. Yeah, everybody!